and 2005 UTC right after the international news. Stand up! Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all of our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Muck Bill Yabro. Sonny Young is taking a break from his mic, and I'll be filling in for him here in Washington. Welcome to the December 20th edition of the sunny side of sports. <laughs> Music and cheering greet the World Cup Championship team Argentina earlier this morning in Buenos Aires. The just-ended World Cup in Qatar was filled with thrills, chills, and surprises. My colleague Jackson Fugani and I analyzed the play yesterday. Jackson, talk to me about the exciting World Cup finale. How to finish off with a bang. Hey, hey, this was the best World Cup final I've watched ever, you know. And I'm not kidding about that. Honestly, yesterday, right after the game, I was just like in my living room by myself, screaming at the TV. I could not believe what I was watching. The best soccer ever. And I know the game has evolved and it has progressed. But man, I did not expect to see this caliber of football right before my eyes in my lifetime. I'm not exaggerating, people. This was great soccer. The great finale. I mean, both teams, France, Argentina, they brought out their best. This, you know, this is what soccer is made about. This is what the finals are about. And, you know, kudos to both teams. They gave us a great game. Man, honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself, Jackson. I feel like, you know, having both Messi and Mbappe, two megastars from PSG, to both then come out and really show us the game that we've been waiting for, you know, when you hear Argentina and France, it's these are two heavy hitters. These aren't aren't your your smaller teams. So you really expect to see. Right. You know, on, on, on the side note, how does it feel for the guy who owns PSG to see that his big ballers are the ones like who are creating that type of uh, uh, excitement on the global stage of that level? What do you think about your investment? You know what I'm saying? Jackson, who are you telling? Emar <laughs> Tamim, man, if I were him, honestly. I could not write a better script. Just think about this, right? Let's set the stage. You have Hollywood, right? Hollywood writes down somewhere, the World Cup is going to be held in your country. And the top two players from your um, club team are going to be the main headliners. And then on top of that, they both score multiple goals. They create magic. It was not, it was not an ordinary World Cup finale. Honestly, it was not ordinary. But you know, on let's just give it up also to Qatar for having organized one of the best tournaments ever. Like one of the best uh, from you know even even better than South Africa, even better than Brazil. I'm not trying to compare or anything, but this in many ways was very very well organized. Uh, I know there was a lot of politics right before uh, the games started. A lot of issues spoken that are not were not really about the game itself, uh, and they were able to look past that and organize a very successful successful event. So kudos and shout out and the sunny side salute to Qatar for having organized a very beautiful World Cup. Man, honestly, Jackson, I couldn't agree more. I've definitely heard, you know, we've seen it on socials. So many different peoples from different walks of life have come to that tournament and have said that they have been to 
maybe one, two, maybe even three different World Cups. And this was one of the most family friendly. You know, it was an amazing event. People didn't really have to worry about too much, um, you know, so safety was was very important. Plus, to me, one of the key things was that the 12 stadiums were all within one hour of each other. Mm. That is huge, right? So logistics we, is key. Logistics is key because I know so many uh, in the past where uh, people were used to complain, fans were complaining about, you know, finding the stadium itself, finding access to the stadium and things of that nature. This time, I don't know whether... Uh, I think those some of the considerations while they were planning out this World Cup, uh, the infrastructure obviously was impeccable, world-class infrastructure. They invested a lot, and you can tell sometimes people invest a lot in something, but uh, and they invest in the design, but the usability usually is not something they think about. In this case, I think Qatar ticked all the different circles on, on, on how to organize a successful tournament. No, definitely, Jackson. Uh, I would agree. I think they did have a little bit of an advantage considering when they had won the the lottery to host the World Cup that there was no infrastructure set up yet, right? So with that being said, you, 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 can, you can start it off with a clear slate and then all of a sudden, you know, make sure that, you know, every complaint that people have mentioned in the past is something that you can kind of tick off. Absolutely. So, so I, I definitely agree with you. It also doesn't hurt that you have billions of dollars in, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a very poor country. So. Right, right. You know. Were, you know, again, they were able to plan it well. It, sometimes you might have the resources, but you don't have the skills to plan out uh, on, on how to organize a tournament. But, yo, got, got to give it up to them. Man, man. How, how about when, when Messi is receiving his Golden Ball Award, right? And, the, you know, the Imar of Qatar puts on this, you know, this cultural um, garment called the Bisht, which is uh, really like a, it's almost like a crowning, right? You know, um, a lot of Middle Easterners, they wear it to their weddings and like, yeah. you know, to their events when they really want to, you know, showcase almost like this royalty, regal type of feeling, right? So Me- Me- Messi just, you know, having played, you know, his jersey still has some grass stains on it. Yeah, he, yeah. he puts this on him and, and he goes and celebrates and grabs the trophy, you know, who would have thought, you know, Messi, one of the greatest players of all time, you know, wins a, um, wins the golden ball and the world cup at Qatar, you know, in the middle East and wearing the bisht. Now that's going to be a meme, you know, running around in the Arab communities for years to come. (laughs) The the cultural symbolism of that is just too heavy to even comprehend right now. That's what is going to be to live on in memory. 10 years, 20 years from now, we'll be talking about this World Cup, especially the finals. You know, I, I agree. I agree. You know, you know how it is. Sometimes things just take on a life of its own. You know, in a couple of years, people will say, you know, that was the, the first uh, Saudi Arabian player to, to win the World Cup. <laughs> that plays for Argentina. By the way, did you? I don't know if you see me. I'm wearing my uh, Ghana Black Stars jersey that I acquired when I was in Accra a couple of weeks ago covering the Black Stars, the people who, the, the, the fans of the Black Stars, Ghanaians. Uh, so today I felt like it was an appropriate day to rock it. No, it, it, it looks great, man. We're, we're staying on theme with the red. I'm wearing the American jersey, you know, go USA. Um, as we know, the next World Cup will be here within the North America, right? So we have... USA, Canada, and Mexico. Jackson, talk to me about how you think that's going to be 
Ah, it's gonna be insane. It's gonna be insane. First of all, more teams in the World Cup. Right. Uh, you know, the populations of these two countries. Uh, I know there's gonna be some issues logistically, but you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I feel like it will it will be one of the you know next to Qatar. Yeah. This is going to be a very exciting World Cup. No, I I definitely would want any reason or excuse just to go to Mexico, anyways. So you know, if, <laughs> if it's for the World Cup, I'm definitely all in. Uh, I think Absolutely. it's gonna be very exciting. But I will say this though, I, I remember. Um, the um, FIFA head um, Infantino recently said um, prior to coming into this Qatar World Cup that they had kind of already knew exactly the setup that they wanted for the new 48 teams um, for the upcoming World Cup. But having seen what transpired in the group stages with having the four teams in the group stages and like one goal differential if if Saudi Arabia doesn't score against Mexico they go through you know Korea and Uruguay situation happening on goal difference all in real time because the games were being played simultaneously I think now they said that they're going to reassess um, the formation on what they were thinking about for that 16, for that uh, 48 um, team world, uh, the new World Cup, um, tr I guess, structure, because, yeah. you know, it really, you know, it, it's something that when you see that in real time, it's like, what? Do I yeah. really want to change this? This is so exciting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I'm very excited about the fact that, you know, more African teams will be joining. Uh, so we'll see uh, more talent from the continent prepare in the next couple of years. In the next, in these four years leading up to the next World Cup, we expect a lot of investment going into the continent, building infrastructure, developing talent, skills, young players on the continent. I mean, I was in, a, in, in Ghana, I visited a couple of academies, uh, young boys in their 10, you know, in their teens, who most likely will end up playing in, 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 in the U.S. in four years, playing at the World Cup. And you see a lot of talent. These kids were coming from around the continent, uh, mostly West Africa, Ivory Coast, Ghana, Nigeria. Uh, many of them attend uh, uh, these academies in, in Accra. I also visited uh, women's, young women uh, uh, academies, uh, these young ladies, I know that in a, in a couple of months will be watching uh, the Women's World Cup in Australia, I believe. Uh, so that is also going to be very exciting. But I'm also I'm I'm just looking forward to to see uh, the, the, the 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 talent yeah. you know yeah. that we have on the continent being right. represented on a global stage on a global platform like this because yeah. we have a lot of it we just don't have the space to showcase it you know i i love that point that you mentioned you know um the, the thing about our talent has always been you know a lack of resources or maybe not having the right infrastructure to really build our players up you know what i mean um, right. on the continent and we've also seen it with the nba basketball africa league now you know moving forward and stuff so it's not that the, the talent is not there it's just that you're not able to hone the skills of these younger players um right. and then they end up leaving or if their parents, you know, may have migrated to another country, maybe in Europe or America, and then they end up playing there because, you know, that's oh, just the France. style. I mean, look at look at the the French team. Right. <laughs> the, the last the last African team on on the, this World Cup. Man, the, the the France team looked like, a, if I were to say, an all star lineup of Africans. You know what I mean? They had so many different um, players that you know have a connection to the continent, as did England as well. Really, if we're and gonna, you know, my boy right? Mbappe, by the way, I don't know man. how. 
this far, right? This far without talking about I, Mbappe, I, I was, man, I was, the man's back must be hurting from carrying that team yesterday. Man, that was, for a 23 year old to have to do that type of lifting, Jackson, is unbelievable, right? First off, let's not even. Like, how quick did he score his two goals? Within a minute and 30 seconds, he scored two goals, right? And then he scored another uh, PK in uh, in extra time. Then he was still the first player on the French team to take the PK. I mean, the pressure. Man. Imagine being in the pressure. Listen, listen. I... ice cold water. This kid has ice in his veins, man. He doesn't know what pressure is. This kid is different, you. bro. I'm telling you. Man. Guilt. Friendly Mbappe, shout out to Mbappe. 100%. I can't wait to see the kind of player. I mean, he's still young, 23. Right. The next World Cup, he'll be 27. I've had people say, you know, his, uh, his main forte, his main skill is he outruns his competitor. Mm-hmm. And maybe that he might not have that as he edges. But listen, this kid plays smart soccer. Mm-hmm. He just has a different, you know, different sets of skills mm-hmm. in one. And you saw it yesterday. He was able to deploy it against mm-hmm. a very determined Argentinian team. Argentina came in, remember, in the first, in the first half, dominated, dominated all the game. And then Bappe just came out of nowhere, man. Very interesting thing you mentioned, Jackson. The first, you know, first half, everybody, I think, outside of an Argentinian fan, maybe that's living in Argentina who didn't want to see a like a good game, wanted it to end 2-0. Everyone else, even if you're supporting them, you're thinking to yourself, it's very anticlimactic, right? It's like right. this has been a right. world, this has been a World yeah. Cup where we've that's seen. Exactly, that's we, exactly what I thought. Like, I, thought I thought it was gonna be like one of those the game the game between Uruguay and uh, and Ghana yeah. that have been building up for twelve years, right? And then and on the day of they just eh, 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 and I thought exactly what was about to happen. I, but I, man, well, we in for a surprise. Oh. You know how fast it, it 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 happened so fast. Somebody could have went to go grab a snack from their fridge, and it scores two two. You think your TV's glitching, man? The kid is fast. And and to, to your point, when you're talking about people mentioning that uh, about his pace, right? He definitely that is one of his main attributes. You know, if I had pace like that, why would I not utilize it? You know what I mean? Um, oh, but but there's Especially a that position, right? Yeah. But there's a difference between having pace. And that being the only thing you have, we've seen him numerous times have quality finishing, right? That second goal of his quality, bro. Like that was a classy goal. You know what I mean? So you can have all the pace in the world. If you're not able to finish, if you're not able to get yourself in the right positions, if you can't get the good reads or, you know, if you, if you don't know how to play with defensive, right, right, right. You, You have to know the thing I like about him the most is his pace allows him to let the defense dictate what they want to give him. So yeah. he kind of just lets the ball roll along. And he's, his style of play is very similar to one of my favorite players, uh, who's also a French national, Thierry Henry. You know, he, like he plays very similar to him, uses his, uses his pace, you know, got the same level of athleticism, if not more. Um, but the kid is only getting better as, as time progresses. And I think it's time, man. We got to take that the captain ban off Loris, and you got to put it on this kid's hand because I I, I don't know what else. Hundred percent. What, what's with the cap? Man, the captain. He, what does the kid need to do? What, what, does what he, more does Mbappe have to do to be the you know <laughs> to be the guy? And and uh, stay, staying on that same point, if we look at Mbappe right at this moment, just check this out. He's tied for number sixth 
all-time goal scorers for the World Cup wow. with 12 That's goals. Listen, with old. he 23 years old, 12 goals already. Guess who he's tied with? Pele. Wow. If that, did, if that does they not did. if that does not tell you wow. what, you know, as long as this kid, you know what I'm saying, is able to stay injury free, keeps on the same trajectory. He came into the tournament as the number one rated player in the world. But now it's like the separation between him and number two has just grown drastically. You know what I mean? Throughout the tournament. Yes. But to be n- tied number six, right? Uh, Messi has one more goal than him and has been to five World Cups. For more on our discussion, check out our latest On Goal podcast on VOAAfrica.com. Morocco made history as the first African nation and the first Arab-speaking team to make the semifinals. The Atlas Lions finished fourth. But all five African teams made a mark in Qatar. One African football analyst says the five African coaches who led their countries to the FIFA World Cup in Qatar performed well. The coaches are... Rigerberg Song of Cameroon, Otto Addo, who led Ghana, Walid Rigri with Morocco, Jalil Kadri leading Tunisia and Aliou Cisse with Senegal. The analyst says the African teams were not intimidated by their opponents and the African coaches have proved that indigenous coaches can perform. Emmanuel Okara is an African football analyst and he spoke with reporter Iron Mike Mbonye. He says African teams should be coached by indigenous coaches in future national and international tournaments because they understand their country's domestic football. When it became known that the five African teams at the just concluded Qatar World Cup will be coached by their indigenous coaches, many pundits were taken aback by the bold move because it had never happened before. Although without a sprinkling of African coaches such as Aliou Sisse of Senegal at the 2018 World Cup in Russia and the late Steven Keshi of Nigeria at the end in the 2014 World Cup in Brazil, this was the first time all the five African teams were tutored by African coaches. Performance-wise at the Qatar World Cup, the African teams were not in any way intimidated by the type of opposition they contended with, they performed creditably and gave their opponents a run for their money. If not for avoidable errors and lack of a cutting edge at the final third of the field, teams like the Black Stars and the Intomitable Lions would have joined the Taranga Lions and the Atlas Lions to play in the round of 16 and beyond. While their outing at the just concluded World Cup could best be described as a learning curve. I see the development as a dawn of a new era for African coaches. Among the coaches, Moroccan coach appears to have distinguished himself with the Atlas Lions. What's your take or reaction to this? The Atlas Lions of Morocco, under the tutelage of Waledrek Radui, not only turned out to be the Cinderella team of the World Cup, they also kept their football confraternity enthralled by their compact and enterprising play through which they eventually emerged as group leaders. Even though they eventually lost out to Croatia in the third place match, the Moroccans did leave their indelible marks on the football sense of time, so to speak. If I may add, everything that Morocco did at the World Cup did not come by the wave of a magic wand. Rather, their effort was the culmination of the massive investments made by their government 
for foster grassroots football development over a period of time, which began to yield dividends for them. Even in the Mexico 86 World Cup, where Morocco was grouped alongside England, Poland, and Portugal, the Atlas Lions topped the group after they played draws with England and Poland and defeated Portugal 3-1. It was the then West Germany that knocked out the Moroccans in the second round through a free kick by Lothar Matthias. To sum up, coach Regrari and his players were not only on the same wavelength, there was also that cultural affinity in the team which worked bountifully for them in their World Cup adventure. Emmanuel, in future tournaments like AFCON and World Cup, should indigenous coaches be given the chance to handle or manage African teams? Going forward, I believe that African teams at the upcoming 2026 World Cup should be coached by indigenous African coaches because they have a better understanding of their country's domestic football and the psyche of the players. In addition, coaches that are to be employed by their FAs must be the best among the lot and not one that was given the nod through cronyism. With the right type of support, the African coach will be able to perform creditably the way some of them did at the Qatar World Cup and also enhance their jobs prospects beyond the shores of Africa. That was football analyst Emmanuel Okara. He spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye via phone from Lagos, Nigeria. Don't forget you can find all the World Cup news and your favorite VOA programs on voaafrica.com. And for world news, you can check out voanews.com. France striker Karim Benzema announced his retirement from international soccer on his 35th birthday yesterday, a day after Les Bleus lost to Argentina on penalties in the World Cup final. The Ballon d'Or winner, who scored 37 times in 97 appearances, was expected to lead the line for France in Qatar, but missed the World Cup after suffering a thigh injury. Benzema made his international debut in 2007. He played at the European Championships in 2008 and 2012, as well as the 2014 World Cup, but was omitted from the next two major tournament squads over allegations of a black male scandal involving a sex tape. Benzema enjoyed a stellar campaign with Real Madrid last season, scoring 44 goals in 46 games in all competitions as he inspired them to a La Liga and Champions League double. Since his return to the international team, Benzema has scored 10 goals in 16 appearances. Morocco made history at the just-concluded Qatar FIFA World Cup, emerging fourth, the highest an African team has ever managed at the World Cup. Sports analysts rate the 2022 World Cup as the most successful one for the entire African continent. Wins against soccer powerhouses like Brazil, France, and Portugal excited African soccer fans. Mugume Davis Rakaringi from Kampala, Uganda reports. Sporty greetings, Mugume. Sporty greetings to Tom McBeal and our listeners. Morocco put up a good fight as they played for the third place position against perennial World Cup competitors, Croatia. Croatia scored in seventh minute of the game, played on Saturday, but the Moroccans quickly collapsed two minutes later, only to fall behind again to Mislav Orisic's goal with only three minutes remaining of the first half. And just like the rest of earlier games, Morocco continued dominance counter-attacks and session defending. It was not to be as the game ended 2-1 in favor of Croatia. Despite the loss, Oluwasola Oyeniyi, a Nigeria sports journalist, was impressed not only 
with semi-finals the Atlas Lions of Morocco, but the rest of other African representatives at the Qatar 2022 World Cup. The Morocco's record of getting to the semi-final, you know, and they didn't do it by fluke. Prior to the game against France, they only considered an own goal in open play. So they've been solid defensively and they played a really good game of football, but also the quality of football that the African teams have played. They weren't afraid to go toe-to-toe with some of the big, the European powerhouses. Morocco beat Belgium 2-0, clean out, undisputed. Brazil was beaten by Cameroon, so I mean, that is commendable. Tunisia also, also defeated France. Chief Sua Chapelle is also a sports journalist from Lagos, Nigeria. She says the Moroccan spirit energized the African representatives at this year's World Cup to work as hard. Tunisia, the Cartage Eagles were able to beat world, you know, cup holders, the French national team. They blew. And they did it in such a way that, you know, kind of stunned, kind of stunned, you know, the French team. But other teams such as um, Cameroon. On the other hand, although their president, um, Eto, was always saying, ah, an African team will play in the finals, in my local language, as we like to say. But um, they couldn't sort out their feet. Their first two games in the World Cup, you know, showed uh, a bit of immaturity in the squad when it comes to concentration. A few moments of madness and, you know, all their good work was upended. But they also, just like Tunisia, they left the competition in style and panache. And the way they did it was so beautiful to behold. Darren Cheyune is a sports analyst from Uganda. He says he loved the resilience from the Moroccans. Morocco has utilized its FIFA grants. Um, it's spent quite well. It's built uh, structures and systems that have eventually um, equipped the, the top clubs like uh, Raja Casablanca or Wydad Casablanca or Ares Bakan, um, teams that are regular competitors in the CAF Confederation Cup and CAF Champions League on the continent. And that means they attract talent from everywhere else on the continent. That makes their league a little stronger than other leagues. But also, it's become an export market for players to head to Europe, uh, particularly the French League A, the Italian Serie A, as well as other feeder leagues like the Turkish Super League. Cheyune also attributes Morocco's success to better preparations in terms of personnel and facilities. He says this is a lesson the rest of Africa to emulate. Uh, Morocco has teams right from the under-13 stage uh, to the top level. So you can imagine following a player for the age from the age of about 12 until the player is 22 and playing at a top league. Those are better polished players, which I don't think all African countries are doing at the moment. And it is a key lesson to learn. Uh, capacity building in terms of player development, that as well takes in the coaches, among other things. He also approached Senegal for the great display. Even without the injured talisman, Sadio Mane, of Bayern Munich, they did impress. The Talanga Lions lost honorably to the Dutch, but managed to go to knockout stages after defeating host Katal three goals to one and two-one against Ecuador. Nasir Nchimbi, a senior sports correspondent for the Guardian newspapers in the Slam Tanzania, was equally impressed by the quality of football displayed by all African representatives. I think coming to the uh, next World Cup, many African countries will be vying uh, for the semi-finals. Many African countries want to beat Morocco's record. Yes, uh, it's not a record that uh, happens every now and then, but at least uh, for the coming years, for the next three World Cups, I see an African team going all the way to uh, to the semi-finals. To the semi-finals and even to the finals, that's something that I see 
uh, from the most African teams. It's very possible. The Atlas Lions have lost the third place at this year's World Cup, but managing the fourth place won them the hearts of many football lovers around the globe. Ugandan poet Albert Mukundane recites a poem befitting Africa's heroes. There they go, the Atlas Lions, bravely beating the powerhouses. The first African team to dine in the World Cup semi-finals. What a fantastic delivery for Africa. Moving majestically at Sumama Stadium in Qatar. There they go, the Atlas Lions. Our hopes that have made history in a driving seats of pride and heritage. Characterized by skilled and teamwork. Growing like African kings. Fragging the African football. Congratulations. For the sunny side of sports, I am Ugume, Davis Ruakarinji Kampala, Uganda. And in the athletics world, the Athletics Integrity Unit has banned three Kenyan runners for doping violations. The AIU said sprinter Mark Otieno Odiambo, who tested positive during the Tokyo Olympics, is banned for two years for using methasterone. His suspension dates back to July 31st, 2021, and all his results from June 24th, 2021 will be disqualified. The three-time national 100-meter champion blamed a contaminated nutritional supplement for his positive test. Roadrunners Johnston Mayo Kibet and Alice Jepkimboy Kimote are suspended for three years for presence of EPO and testosterone, respectively. The athletes may appeal the bans to the Court of Arbitration for Sport in Lusanne, Switzerland. Kenya vowed earlier this month to clean up its act after escaping a world athletics ban for doping. The athletics giant has been in the top category on the World Anti-Doping Agency watch list since 2016. 55 Kenyas are on the AIU's list of ineligible athletes. And that's a wrap for the December 20th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Muck Bill Yavaro filling in for Sonny Young in Washington. And that is... 